0: Let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you on this wonderful day that you've given us, reminding us of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, and especially in this class to meditate upon those things that you determined before the foundation of the world in presenting us the bride that we could be a part of. And we thank you, God, that we could be in this situation. We thank you for the church, and we thank you for the influence it's had Christian influence on all of our lives and we pray your blessings will continue upon us as we strive to glorify you in Jesus name we ask this and amen. Amen. <laughs> yes as we strive to glorify God in the church. Well today's the last day for our class on the church of our dreams and uh, I have two topics yet that I want us to discuss so I've tried to cram them into this last session, uh, which is ironic because our first topic is the church of our dreams has high standards and pursues excellence. So cramming these two subjects into one probably betrays that first, uh, that first topic that I want us to talk about. Uh, but I want to say, before I forget, how much I appreciate your presence and have appreciated it in this class through the last three months and your comments your comments have really made this class much, much better. And I'm grateful for you and for your thoughts. Uh, yes, our, first, our very first thing that we want to talk about here. The church of our dreams has high standards. Uh, we are in pursuit of excellence. Quality is important to us. Now, shouldn't that be the case? Shouldn't it be the case that the church should pursue excellence... And quality. Perhaps more than ever, people today are looking for quality. Even in the church. Even in the church. They're expecting quality. Uh, What I want to say in in these ten minutes or so is that one of the things that drives us is a desire to be more than mediocre. We want to be in pursuit of excellence. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's in the Bible somewhere. Where is that? I'm not sure. just came to me. But it's, it's a biblical truth. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. That's not in the Bible, but it ought to be, shouldn't it? It's worth doing well. It's worth doing right. If you're going to do something, do it right. That's especially true for people who are trying to glorify God by what they do and how they live. That is our larger aim to glorify God by the way we live. I think it is true that there would be many churches who settle for mediocrity. They settle for good when they could be great. They settle for mediocre when they could excel. Now what would, what might that mean? If, if we're talking about a church that has high standards and that is not going to settle for mediocrity. Well... Let's, let's think about just the worship service, for example. Let's just use that as an example. Uh, a, a quality worship service would be one certainly in which all of the worshipers are drawing close to God in their hearts. And they're worshiping God in spirit, for sure. Uh, it, might, it might say that uh, we, we want to insist upon decent, uplifting spiritual music For example, it might mean that we want to insist upon uh, authentic Bible-based preaching. Uh, It might be that we would insist on uh, a way to make visitors feel welcome and at home without embarrassing them. It might be that we would find a way to, to greet them when they come in the door. That shows that we know what we're doing and that we care about them and that we are intentional about excellence. I think it is an awkward reality of declining churches that they choose inclusion over excellence. And here's what I mean by that. They choose inclusion over excellence. They may let a not very gifted worship leader sing because no one else has the courage to tell him that he can't. They may let non-leaders continue to lead because they've been around a long time or because they're bossy or because we're afraid of them. I remember long ago, I was in a church where uh, the principal song leader, and back in the day we called them song leaders, not worship leaders, pardon me. Uh, The song leader was one of the elders of the church. And he'd been leading singing there for decades. And he was getting up in years. And I was in a conversation with one man in the church one day and he said, Carrie, who's going to tell Jack that he's no longer able to lead singing? Well, there are few people that are going to tell Jack that because he'd been leading for 20, 30 years and he was an elder of the church and few people felt comfortable in coming to him and saying, you know, uh, let's turn this over to somebody else. But we choose to include people. I'm not sure that's all bad either when I think about it. But we choose to include people over excellence. I think what we ought to determine is that God designed some people to lead worship and they ought to be leading worship. And God designed some people to be proclaiming the Word and communicating it and they ought to get after it and communicate it. And God designed some people to be wonderful visitors in the church and they ought to be the one, greeters in the church. They ought to be the one to greet the visitors and make them feel welcome. We all have a gift. And what we probably need is for some loving, kind, uh, good-hearted, gentle Christian people To come to us every now and then and say, Hey, here's your gift. Here are your gifts. And by the way, this one over here may not be your gift. That sounds kind of harsh. We have high standards. The price we pay for mediocrity in a worship service, for example, is a service that nobody really likes except the insiders. Just the insiders. It's kind of like a school play where the only one who are really enjoying it are the parents of the children who are in the play. Very similar. We should have high standards. Now, holiness is a standard for us individual Christians. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, Hebrews chapter 12. So God expects us to try to live up to a certain moral standard. God has high standards for us, doesn't He? So shouldn't we have high standards as well? I think we should. I think we should have high expectations of one another, but do we? I say no. I say no, we don't. I don't think we have high, I don't think we have high expectations of one another. And I think we're falling short there. You know, really, I think it's probably true that for the most part, if, if, if someone comes to church fairly regularly on Sunday morning, that's, that's about where we want them to be. But I wonder if the Lord requires more than that of us. Uh, George Bailey. Was it you that brought up George Bailey, Jeff? I'm not sure. I can't remember now. Yeah. Used to preach in Dallas. He said, he said, sitting in a pew on Sunday morning no more makes you a Christian than sitting in a hen house makes you a hen. <laughs> well, that, that's true. What do we expect of each other? Do we expect spiritual growth out of each other? Do we ever hold each other accountable? What if we said, you know, if you're going to be a member of this community of faith, here's what we expect of you. We want you to to worship regularly with us. We want you to develop a, a walk with God. We want you to give generously. We want you to join a small group. We want you to think about ways you can serve your neighbors and your community. And we want you to set the goal of telling one person what the Lord means to you. And by the way, we're not going to expect this out of you overnight. We're all growing toward this. But this is the trajectory of Christian spiritual growth. And if you want to be a part of this body, uh, that's where we're headed. And we'd be patient with each other and loving and kind and helpful with each other. But no longer do we say... uh, All are welcome and we're not going to be too concerned whether or not you do any of these things. You know what I'm saying? We should have higher expectations of each other. Uh, I've got to show that slide because I worked for so long getting those arrows up there. that I've just got to show it to you. What if we had a path for discipleship? And what if we said... Alright, you come here, this is the path we want, we want you to take. This is what we recommend. Now, we're not going to enforce it. I mean, we're not the police of each other, but we see this path as what the Lord wants all of us to be on, and we're going to help each other on this path to grow spiritually. What if, what if we did that? What if we had high expectations? Uh, there are churches, you know, that have high expectations. I was talking with dad last night, for example on the phone, and he told me about a church in Atlanta, Georgia, that when you become a member of that church, you've got to turn your latest 1040 form over to the leaders of the church. And then you've got to pledge to give 10% to the church. (laughs) Well, we're not going to do that, I don't think, here, thankfully. But I thought, wow. And he said, you know, Carrie, he said, they have five or six city policemen every Sunday who direct traffic. That church is... Has so many people in that church? Is growing so much? He said the ushers wear tuxedos. That was just a side note. I thought it was interesting. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But you know, if we had high expectations, what would happen? We'd lose members, but we'd gain members because people would see that the church is something very special. This is a special family here. And we're not going to discount it by lowering the bar so low that anybody can be part of it. Well, anybody can be part of our family. But over time, the Lord expects us to grow into the image of His Son. And so we have high expectations of of one another. I wonder what would happen if we uh, started trying to hold each other accountable to some extent to those high standards. We might be surprised. People want to be part of something that is dynamic and growing and moving. And that is in the church as well. They want to feel like they are part of something that is real and that is making progress. So, I think that's all I want to say about that. I'll let you talk here in just a minute. Let's talk about leadership. A little bit. The church of our dreams is led by spirit-filled leaders. What would you say Maybe the greatest need in the church today? Just in the church universal. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about just in the church universal in your experience. I think some people would say our greatest need is for bold, visionary, godly, spiritual leadership. Of course, that's one of the greatest needs of the church in any any age. Without it, God's people cannot thrive. Without spiritual leaders, God's people cannot thrive. Well, who are the kind of leaders who are able to help the church flourish and glorify God? I want to talk about five or six or seven characteristics that I think are important. Uh, First of all, godly spiritual leaders practice a servant rather than an authoritarian style of leadership. Like Jesus, they understand that leadership is all about influence, influencing others. But that we influence others by being a servant of all. It's not the do this because I'm in charge mentality. And you know, I haven't known too many, I haven't known too many leaders in the church that I felt had that mentality. Most all of the leaders that I've known in my decades of being a Christian have been leaders who really were servants of God and wanted to serve the Lord and cared about people. And they, they were not authoritarian. They may have felt that God had given them some authority in a local church, but they didn't lead in an authoritarian way. Do this because I'm in charge. Uh, these are the kind of leaders who are not into power and control. Yes, they want to have influence for good in the lives of others, and in a sense, influence is power, but godly leaders are not interested in running the church, telling people what to do. Their only desire is to help followers of Jesus draw closer to Him. I would say, too, that spiritual leadership that we're talking about means that these are leaders who lead by a godly example. Uh, They gain a following because of the people they are rather than the title they may wear. They present a godly example. For example, a leader cannot encourage Christians to grow in a certain way unless they themselves are growing in that certain way. Uh, We're talking here about leaders who have a close walk with God and who, who, based on that, are able to encourage those who follow to have a close walk with God. They're not asking anyone to do what they themselves are not willing to do. I have known a a few in my life, but they haven't been many. But I've known a few leaders of the church in in my life who really weren't leaders because no one was following them. But they would put something on the calendar, the church calendar, and then they themselves wouldn't show up. And you know, that's not going to go over well with the flock. Peter said, be examples to the flock. 1 Peter chapter 5. They lead by godly example. They're interested in the spiritual health of people. They really are. They make decisions for sure, but they are interested in what is good for the church and good for the people under their charge. Another characteristic is that they trust people enough to give them important work to do and the authority to carry it out. Just some practical things here. Uh, I'm sure nothing is more frustrating than being given a job but not having the commensurate authority to carry it out and uh i remember that that has something to do with the definition of of stress when you're given a responsibility but you don't have the real authority to carry out that responsibility your hands are tied and that leads to stress and and depression and and deep frustration so godly leaders give folks jobs to do and say go for it and i think i think uh in the church, my experience has been that even then, even then when godly leaders say, here's your responsibility, go for it, people are slow to go for it. Because, uh, because they, don't, they don't feel confident in what they're doing perhaps, or they don't feel they really have the authority to do something, or they need someone else to pass approval on what they want to do. Which is to say that if we want leaders who will say, here is something we'd like for you to do. Exercise this gift and we're giving you space to exercise it. It also means that we must be willing to volunteer and to serve faithfully and to say, okay, I'll take take this responsibility. I'll do my best with it. Uh, We members of the church have a responsibility too there. Uh, Godly leaders, their aim is not to maintain the status quo, but to challenge their brothers and sisters to grow into the image of Christ. And again, I won't talk about change too much, but growth means movement. It means change. It requires change. And so godly leaders are good Bible students who themselves come to the Word of God every day with fresh eyes, open ears, a ready heart for changing more into the likeness of Christ. Let's change into the likeness of Christ. We're not content with the status quo. We want you to become more like Christ, and that requires change. You can probably think of other uh, characteristics of, of Godly leaders. They have their priorities in order. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Spiritual leaders seek first the kingdom. They know God themselves and have a close walk with Him. They demonstrate a deep faith in God and, and hope and a love for people. Uh, they are visionary and on and on and on. Uh, we, need, we need leaders in the church who are going to be spirit-filled, who know God. Uh, you know, when I was younger, uh, and uh, much more stupid than I am now, and uh, much more accusatory than I am now, I used to think that sometimes leaders in the church were only chosen because of their business acumen. Because I thought I saw elders who weren 't spiritual men didn 't know the lord didn 't have a walk with him, but they were successful in business, and so I thought, well, they were chosen because they were just because they were successful in business. I think that may happen sometimes, but probably not as much as probably not as much as I thought twenty or thirty years ago. Our leaders need to be spirit filled who know God all right i uh, I think I've said about all I want to say and probably more than I should have said. But let's, let's move on. That's we, we did that. Just a quick summary before I give you the chance to talk about these two things we've been briefly talking about today. Where do we go from here? This is a summary of, of what we've talked about. This is the church of our dreams. Uh I really don't want this class to be like so many of our classes and here my cynicism is going to come out. Because I think in many of our Bible classes, well, it goes in one ear and out the other. And we never make any change in the way that we live. And so we always ought to be looking every Sunday in class, what is there here that I can change this week? What is there here that I can apply this week? And maybe what we want to do is just choose one of these items and personally say, this is what I'm going to work on. I'm going to try to get to know my neighbors better and, serve, and be a servant of them. Maybe that's what you will want to do. Or or maybe you will want to say, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to make it my aim to pray for the leaders of our congregation. So that they will become more visionary and more godly and so forth. I, I think this might be a place where we can go from here. Say, so, well, we'll just work on one of these characteristics right now and we'll focus on this and then we'll move on to another maybe that's one way to work on it I don't know but what I'm really wanting is that we'll not just uh, say well we heard some good things in this class and people made some good comments and that was good and then we move on and and it never really affects us in our attempts to glorify God so Think about this. Think seriously about this. How can we as a congregation become more like the community of faith that God wants us to be? What should we focus on? All right. Now I know I've said all that I really want to say. So let me give you the opportunity to push back or comment or ask questions. I would really be interested to hear what you think about this question. Where do we go from here? But if you'd like to talk about the need for spiritual leaders, or if you'd like to talk about the need for us to have high standards and high expectations of one another, then that'd be fine too. So here's your chance to uh, join the conversation. Anybody? Sue? I don't have a mic. Yes, I do. Thank you, Melinda.
1: I want to read that verse you started with. Okay. Uh, It's in Ecclesiastes. And we only quote the first half of it, in my knowledge, which is, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going... There is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. And also, I would add, you are also, if you live right, you're going to get old. And you won't be able to do all the things you did when you were young. And what you thought you would keep on doing until you died, you will find out you won't keep on doing all of them. So... Do it now with all your might.
0: Good. Thank you, you Sue. Thank you, Sue. Wonderful comment. Very good. Ecclesiastes. How are you, Doug? Good. Chuck, Lance, let's start here and pass that microphone back, would you, when you're through?
2: Uh, you know, we, we talked about leaders, but I, I think um, one of the things that makes the church uh, more successful or maybe al- almost as important as, as good leaders is good followers. And uh, it's really hard to be a good, uh, godly leader without a flock that, that seeks to be godly as well. And uh, I think that as as uh, sheep, we need to uh, have very high expectations of ourselves and being able to follow direction that may not be our our most favorite direction, but it may mm. be the right direction that we're. If we've got the leaders that that are godly, we need to really follow them and
0: be
1: good sheep.
3: Very good. Followers have a responsibility too. You know, I appreciated that uh, Sue. Uh, quoted that uh, that verse and then went on with it because uh, it really struck me because uh, Jack and Sue Life Group is one thing, that, or Small Group, or Family life, family Circle, that was what it was called back in those days too, uh, as well as uh, College Ministry, that they, Jack and Sue together, really dedicated themselves to having people over to their home consistently every week. And I'm not even going to try and guess how many years it was because I wasn't in there. Uh, uh, but, you know, their life group consistently, or family circle is what we called it at that time. But they certainly are an example of really putting their hearts into doing the very best that they could while they had the energy and the opportunity to do that and the opportunity to have impact. And my goodness, the amount of impact they've had on people is uh, significant. The other question I wanted to kind of bring up is, uh, is your, your, your line there where do we go from here? And just wondering, what is the difference between saying where do we go from here and where do I go from here? Is this a matter of all of us or individually or how do we get the I going into a we or who's responsible for that? Who sets the we? How do we? Yeah. Are you going to answer that question? You no, I'm ask not it? because I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, join the how, club. How can we get the, the, the we out of individual focus. That's the start right
0: there, isn't it? Individual. Mm -hmm. I think that's certainly true. It leads from one to the group. That's all right.
4: So I think you were asking, like, how do we implement these or what do we do to kind of and your hope is that we don't walk away, just that was a great class, right? That it right. actually has impact. And it reminded me of Paul when he wrote his letter to, to the Corinthians, and he says, you know, he says, um, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. He was writing to them about things because he wanted them to ex- um, look into themselves and do they have worldly sorrow or godly sorrow? Godly sorrow is what is required in repentance, right? We have to have um, eagerness to clear ourselves, indignation, alarm, longing, concern, readiness to see justice done. Those are the kinds of things that if we truly want to have the church of our dreams, we need to see where we have repent- need repentance and do it with godly sorrow.
0: True. Very True. Anyone else?
5: Jeff? No, I loved what Chuck said. I thought that was super powerful because that's, I think that's one of the major lessons. I'm a lot like you. I don't have the age of wisdom. Um, but um, I do look back at who I was when I was younger and like, man, you are so full of cynicism. Yeah. And it's all about critiquing everybody but you. You know, and and even the verse Nicole said, that was a verse about personal accountability, not personal judgment. You know, and, and it is it is something that I look you look at yourself and say, what Chuck's point was, is this something that a church does? Or is this something I do? Because when the spirit is alive in my heart, then wherever I am becomes dynamic. If it's a prison cell, if it's a mega church, or if it's a little tent somewhere in Nairobi. It becomes dynamic because the spirit's there. If my heart is dead, you can put me in the most dynamic situation and all I see is death. And so it does, it begins in the heart of an individual. And that's where it begins is personal accountability. My God, you led me to this place. You gave me mission. You gave me a purpose. Let me change lives, you know, wherever I'm at. And so I think it begins, we put things out of order. There's the cross the person and the church and each one of us decides what order those things happen in. Um, and that's, that's a, I I'd, I'd have to really explain that. But what I mean is a lot of people put the church first and with things get right in the church, then things take place in my heart. Then I can come to the cross or, you know, we put things in these weird orders and it goes cross first person, me as a person second, and then I pour out into people's lives. And that's what church is. And I think it's important to get that order right because We put too much on other people's shoulders when we go around and say, man, I'd be alive if y'all were alive. (laughs) You know, and that's not the way that the Christian walk works.
0: I I want to push back on that comment just a little bit. Because I think you're right. it, It starts with individuals. But healthy individuals build healthy churches. And healthy churches build healthy individuals. So I can, I, can, I can well see a person coming to know the Lord and depending on that family of God to strengthen him and help him grow. So it's not all on that individual. So I think you're exactly right. We need to begin the critique with ourselves. We need to say, okay, I'm going to look in my heart. Here, here is how I need to change and grow. But that that should not keep us from healthy critique of the church as well. Right? So we're okay. You and I are okay on this. I think what you're saying is those of us who are strong need to bear those who are weak. There you go, I like that. Yes. Don't put that on their
3: shoulders, but yeah,
0: exactly. yeah. yeah, I mean people have a right to expect certain standards out of their preacher, out of their elders. Out of their Bible teachers, they have the right to expect that. So, uh, but that's but when we start criticizing, that's not where we want to start. We want to look inward and start with ourselves. So we're okay. We're agreed with so far. We're good. Okay, that's good. Well, according to the question, where do we go from here? The only thing that pops in my mind to maybe some get kick started would be to have like a new members class for. Like an ongoing class that uh, offers different ministries, that you know, that they to make them aware of the different ministries and and uh, you know, just your overall belief and and strengthening faith. It's a good idea, Doug. When we get ready to start one, we're going to come to you and ask you to take part in that. It's a great idea. Comment back here. I thought I saw a hand up. Sue. Well, let's see. let me get this to you somehow. Oh, it's not big enough.
6: Okay, I'm, I'm Donna. I'm Nicole's mom. Thank and you. just a small comment on what I hear you're talking about and what people's responsibility is in the church, kind of. Um, if you look in Matthew in uh, chapter 25... You were talking about the bags of gold or the talents mm-hmm. many people in a church um, find themselves thinking that they have very little to give i 'm not one that 's going to get up and speak i 'm not going to lead the classes i 'm not my only have one small talent. they just don 't have a lot to give, but there are a lot of people who have a lot to give, so i 'll let them give and i 'll just keep my little talent quiet and hidden. And I don't step forward. And Jesus quickly points out, that's the wrong thing to do. And I think that's where our churches all fall down, is that there are too many people in the church that think they have very little to give. And they'll let those who have a lot to give do it. Mm -hmm. You know, or big voices. They, They stand forward. So where you go from now is to look inward and figure out what you can do. Good, Because there's no we unless there's an I first.
0: You've reminded me, Don, of another scripture that uh, is in one of the Gospels. I'm not really sure where it is. It's to whom much is given, much is required. That's wrong. But everybody has one. Absolutely. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a gift from God. I think that's in Luke somewhere, but I'm I'm not... Maybe in several. Is for the of right, the, the talents. Yeah. Good. Uh Nicole, are these your parents right here? Donna? Your that's, that's... Well, we're glad to have you with us. Yes. Where do you live? You live in We live in Fruta, Colorado. Okay. You know, Fruta no, ma'am. And Junction. And Junction. Okay. We're glad to have you. Yes. David? Been
2: here, well So I'm going to kind of pick on number 10 about the high standards. Um, I think I agree in principle with what you're saying. and I think it's also dangerous uh, that we over-professionalize the church. Uh, Yes, we have to have people equipped to serve in various areas. But I think we've kind of done this a time or two. Like um, you could just replace, you know, should be in a small group with should attend Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We've done that before where that's how we defined what a good member was. They were present all the time. Um, I think there's valid reasons why people shouldn't be in small groups uh, or can't be in small groups at times. For example, I know that's a really passionate topic. So yeah, you can, it's touchy. You can be push careful. back on my, you can push back on my pushback. But, but we sort of codify those things into law then and begin to judge people's maturity and standards by whether they're meeting them. Uh, Bible hour. What if we choose to train our kids to sit in... The auditorium, and we don't care if people go to Bible or they can't. You know, we start to make this law of what goodness is, and almost everything else on your slide for high standards was, I, I agree with it. But I think we have to be careful about making it attendance and presence, because we as human beings will rapidly convert that into a form of law and judgment. Um, the second thing is, I think we need to leave room for our not as well qualified people to lead. I'll say this just openly. The best Lord's Supper talk I have heard in the last 20 years was by Dan Jones. And Dan Jones is not a great speaker, but it came right from his heart. But if we're care- not careful, we'll end up with a list of you know four men who can lead the Lord's right. Supper talk because they're polished. And so, so we have to be, I think, careful of that. The other thing I'm going to say is I think we need to lower our standards in some areas. I think we need to realize that when people come and join us here it feels like a secret club. We're using language that is comfortable to us, that's not comfortable to them. We're singing songs we've sung our life that's not comfortable. And they may not be yet ready to accept Christ. They may just be seeking. They may seek uh, just our community and friendliness for a year or two or three and be living a lifestyle that we wouldn't consider. So in some ways, as we encounter our community and our world, I think we need to lower our standards of what we can expect for them to be welcome among. Right. Them. Does that make sense? Yes. So that, and it's a different thing from what we expect from ourselves. That's the, and and this, the problem with standards is one generation may say, well, I think high standards is suit and tie every Sunday. You see, you see where I'm. So, I, I think I agree with. I've really enjoyed the class. I agree with a lot of this. I think in some ways we need to realize we we are we have these high standards that have made us almost seem like a fortress a little bit or like you can't grow. I mean, what's the standard for someone who's 18 and been a Christian for one year versus a 70-year-old that's been a Christian for 40 years? Those are different. So that that lowering, like what should old people, older people expect from younger people? Immaturity, just like they were. So, you know, as we as we think about things like standards and expecting a lot, we should, I agree, especially on holiness and growing and growth. I don't disagree. I think... Um, that in some other areas we need to loosen or lower our standards of what we expect from each other and be more compassionate and forgiving. And that's maybe not exactly the things you were touching on with that point. But um, So it's, uh, it's not really a strong disagreement. It's just a caution on some areas and a clarification on some Let's others. Let's talk
0: about that. Uh, okay. Keep that microphone. Right. Because uh, I've got five minutes and I want to push back a little bit. And before you undermine this whole class that I've brought out today... <laughs> I want no, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. Number 12, we should not undermine the teacher. That's right. That's that's number 12. First of all, we definitely should be patient with each other. And I would say, I don't even know Dan Jones, but I would say his talk was excellent. He was not professional or polished perhaps, but he spoke from his heart. That was excellence. That was excellence. Uh, So I I agree with a lot of what you said. I just don't want what you said to give us an excuse for looking like we don't know what we're doing. I mean, I, I think in the culture in which we are, people out there who need to know the Lord want to be introduced to Him by a church that knows what they're doing and that has some degree of quality. For example... We would never allow a Dan Jones, and I don't even know Dan, to to be Jeff. We would never ever allow some neophyte, new Christian, someone who couldn't talk without stammering over his words, to fill Jeff's role. Why do we insist on quality in Jeff, training, education, experience? Why do we insist on that? But the person who may lead our worship, or the person who runs the sound booth, or the person who greets, why do we want to lower the standard on those folks, but not for Jeff? See, we do believe that at some point we have to have some standards. And by the way, I completely agree agree with you. We're not going to judge one another. We're not in the role of judge. Only God is in that role. But all all I really want to say is, I don't want what you said to become an excuse for us to become mediocre people
2: No, so let me, who are not I'll, attractive to I'll others. I'll finish in thir- 30 seconds or less. We definitely do need to have qualifications in certain public roles that you can do that. Okay, thing. yeah. Totally agree. Uh, the danger is that, I don't, I don't know if Dan's given a talk since then.
0: Is he still here?
2: Oh, yeah. Faithful I don't even long- know Dan. Well, that's as a shepherd, you're going to have to get to know Dan. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I certainly will. Yeah, so uh, I certainly will. So The point, uh, that didn't count towards my 30 seconds. um, (laughs) So definitely there are things that you have to be able to do to serve in public ways that lead the whole congregation. I think we need to be careful about what the definition of excellence is. And our danger is to find those experienced, business, polished speakers who may not be filled with the Spirit but can do the job, check the box, hit the right pitch, do it without a heart for God. And and overlook the people who may, and again, song leading is a very different thing. You can't be tone deaf probably and do that. But So I, I, I agree with that. I agree. I think that if we, the, this, the search for, I, I don't think excellence is the primary goal of worship. I think excellence from our hearts is the primary goal of worship. And people with skill can help foster that environment. We just need to be careful not to do it at the exclusion of people that don't, check all of our right human heart boxes. They're not handsome. They're not as polished. They may okay. read from, yeah. and, and leave room for people to grow into excellence and then not, you know, not make that who we are. That, I didn't mean to d- derail your class. I feel like I've done that. You before. haven't
0: done that. I'm, yeah. I'm just playing with you. Yeah. You haven't done that too much. <laughs> no, good comments. You know what that tells me, David? You're thinking. I'm, that's what I want. I want you to think. And if you don't agree, I want to hear about it. We had a comment over here.
4: I'm going to push back a little bit on you, too.
0: On me? That's (laughs) Um, quite all right. You've been doing that a lot.
4: No, on him. Okay. Um, You know, I guess I was, before I became a Christian, I studied the Bible. And one of the studies was counting the cost of Christianity. Counting the cost of picking up my cross daily. And what it meant to deny myself. And a couple of the scriptures were, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Another was do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I counted the cost and I said, you know what, there's going to be times where I don't want to meet together. But I'm going to deny myself and pick up my cross and go because someone else might need me. I might hear something I need. But before it says don't give up in the habit of meeting together, it's talking about encouraging one another. And I do think it's extremely important to not give up on meeting together. And I think small groups, Sunday nights, Sundays, Wednesdays, whatever days that we pick, it doesn't. It's not the date or what's going on. It's that I need to deny myself, and that's just that's how I was raised and taught. And I don't think it's wrong to expect that of people.
0: Unfortunately, you all, uh, we're out of time. So uh, I'll call a halt to it. Sorry about you who raised your hands and had good comments to make. Uh, And thank you for your work in this class, for thinking, for your comments, pushback, agreement. It it doesn't matter. I'm I'm glad to hear it. Uh, We we all want what's best for the Lord's people and and to glorify God. That that is our aim. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll go to worship. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're part of your family, part of your church, part of this congregation. We're grateful. We're grateful that you've placed us here and that you're moving among us and that your spirit indwells us. Father, please see our feeble attempts to glorify you and to be all that you want us to be. Certainly keep us from Having a judgmental attitude for insisting on standards that you have not placed before us, may we may we be people who who follow you as best we can, who are patient with each other, loving kind, gentle, a people in whose lives your spirit truly is evident and demonstrated. We ask you to bless us here, Father, in this particular congregation, as we As we try to reach out to others who need to know you. As we try to encourage each other to grow spiritually. Motivate us, move us to to be all that we can be by your power and by your strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.